0: Well, hello, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, and it's September 7th, 2023. Thanks for being here with us today. We do appreciate it. Uh, We've got a nice show for you today from the Council for Exceptional Children. Okay, Claire Hughes is here, who's a uh, professor of gifted education, special education, and twice exceptional education at Cleveland State University in Ohio, and also we have uh, Wendy Behrens here, who is the gifted coordinator for the Department of Education in Minnesota, and she's an expert on twice exceptional students which is, and teaching them, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Thank you, CEC, for uh, putting this all together. And I just want to mention that we we're supposed to have associate professor of special ed from Lamar University in Texas, Debbie Troxclear, with us. But unfortunately, Debbie's under the weather, and I just want to wish her well And sorry she couldn't be here with us today, but it's going to be a nice show. We're going to talk about something that is truly exceptional, and that is teaching twice-exceptional kids and making sure that people understand what that is, what it means, how how schools should work within, and what we should do to make sure these kids learn and learn well. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org ace-ed.org. That's our home website for our American Consortium for Equity and Education. And if you go over there, you'll see all kinds of wonderful articles. you see our magazine, which is called Equity and Access. Just scroll down or scroll over and click on it. Click on a cover. A new issue is there for you. All of our podcasts are there and our Excellence in Equity Awards program is there. You can just click through and Please participate. Everything's free over there for educators at ace-ed.org. And we'd love to honor those people who do a really good job in uh, equity in schools and in pre-K-12. So check it out. Join in. You can nominate yourself, your school, your colleagues, companies, etc., etc. Check it all out over at ace-ed.org, and we hope you do. You're cordially invited over there. Let me say hello to my two guests. Good morning, Wendy. How are you?
1: I'm absolutely fine. Thanks so much for inviting us to be a part of this show today, Larry.
0: Oh, you're more, Believe me, you are more than welcome. I got to tell you, it's going to be a really, really nice show. And also, how are you today, Claire?
2: I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having us, Larry.
0: No, my pleasure. And Claire, I just want to make sure that you're at Cleveland State in Ohio, right?
2: Is yes. that where you teach? Um, yeah, okay. I do, yes. I do. They they started a twice exceptional uh, pro- teacher education program there.
0: Okay, that's, ex- that's excellent. I just wanted to make sure because I always remember there's also a Cleveland, Mississippi, and I see for some there's reason. there's
2: Cleveland, it- <laughs> Georgia,
0: and there's a yeah, Cleveland, it Georgia. Right? Maybe I'm thinking about the wrong Cleveland. You know, I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> okay, so no, Cleveland State. Yeah.
2: The second largest theater district in the country behind New York, the you know, or the mistake on the lake, whichever one you want to call yeah. it. So. <laughs> it's changed uh,
0: quite a bit since the lake caught fire. That's all I can tell you. I think yeah. it was nineteen sixty something. Oh my god, well it was amazing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a great city. It really is home to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I might add. And Wendy, you're in Minnesota. Are you in Minneapolis, St. Paul? Where are you?
1: Well, actually, the um, Minnesota Department of Education is located in Minneapolis and I go. live further south. I live in Red Wing, Minnesota. Oh sure. Home of the shoes, if I'm yes. not
0: mistaken. Is that where they make up Red Wing shoes?
1: That is absolutely true. One of the there largest employers in our community.
0: There you go. See see I somehow know this sort of stuff. And you've actually written books on twice exceptional kids, right, and teaching them, am I correct?
1: Yes, I have, and Claire has also written on this topic as well. So we're really excited to be able to chat with you about our work and, without, and about the, the um, not just the changes that are going on in our field, but um, raise understanding of these really unique students.
0: And so let me I, ask you this: That's a that's a, oh go
2: ahead, please go ahead. Whoever's going to oh that. no, I was going I to say I Claire. wrote a chapter yeah. in one of I wrote a chapter one of Wendy's <clears throat> books about um gifted kids with autism and then I have a book of yeah, my own of parenting bright kids with autism. So it's
1: amazing, if isn't I, it? I might I, um, um, Yes. If, go ahead. if I might add, I think that you know that book that you've written, uh Claire, on parenting students with autism or parenting children with autism is probably uh, the only one of its kind, so it's we really um, we're we're so lucky to have her. Truly, I there love working with Claire. There well, you and
2: go. And Wendy brings everybody under her under the tent. So she's she's a facilitator of amazing conversations. So we work very well together and quite enjoy well, enjoy collaborating.
0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mutual Admiration Society of Wendy Behrens and Claire Hughes, and both well-deserved, I might add. Okay, these guys have worked together for a while. All right, you know, this is, I, I, this is important because it, it's special ed-oriented, and we really care about special ed, but I'm curious, okay, we're talking to mostly educators who are not special educators. They're just educators. Okay, and I, I, I'll throw this to Claire. She's at the top of my list. Claire, why is it important for just the typical educator to understand what about twice exceptional children, like, like for instance, gifted and autistic, that type of thing? Okay. Sure,
2: Claire, because so much of it depends on the lens that you look at a kid. So if you go looking, as I used to tell my own children, if you go looking for problems, you're going to find them. Um, and so if you if Looking for deficits, particularly for twice exceptional children you 're going to find them, um, but i don 't think there 's anybody in life who wants to be defined by what you struggle with by what you you know need support with and so Good if boy. you're looking for positives, if you go looking for strengths, you 'll find those too, particularly in twice exceptional children, so they they have significant hmm. strengths and significant areas of challenge but it it 's so important to use both lenses in order to help to help a child grow because you have to support areas of challenge but you also really have to look for what kids can do and what their strengths are and that's true for any education perspective so what's true for um what i what i often say is that teaching price exceptional kids is what you want to do with all kids it's just it's essential for these kids it's they they have difficulty growing or challenge being challenged if you don't use both lenses So,
0: how does this affect a a typical? Are are educators trained to even spot this? And I assume we want this spotted in in, in pre-K or elementary, okay? And that—that's to me is the first step. How do how do we know it's even there? And where's it fit in? And I'm always concerned about this into. And, and the education schools and the education curriculum for teachers, and I'll stick with you since you're a professor at Cleveland State. Go ahead, Madam Professor. How, how are they? <laughs> is, what's going on with the education schools in this? Because you, you need this from the very beginning. You know, if you find it in eighth grade, you know, if you had the kid for eight years, uh, oh, geez, imagine that. So let's talk about how it, how it affects the typical pre-K or uh, elementary school teacher, teacher and, and when they get these is kids. That-
2: it's actually critical at every stage because they may, yeah. not, they may be coping fairly well. They may, there's what we call yeah. the masking effect, which is that they're bright enough or they're smart enough that they can figure ways out to not look challenged. And so it's yeah. often not until third grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, where it really starts to kick in that, really? oh, we've, mm. there's a problem here. Um, so some kids wow. will, will demonstrate it early you know, demonstrate really significant strengths early or they'll significant, demonstrate significant challenges early. Um, but some may look typical. They're just, I liken it to a duck. You, the duck can look very peaceful <laughs> cool on top, but they paddling like crazy underneath. Uh, and, and we don't see that, that level of stress and yeah. anxiety and work until, until, the, until high school sometimes. So it really is important really? for teachers to really think about that at every
1: age.
0: Well, now that is important. Okay, so now let me swing over to the Department of Education in the great state of Minnesota. Okay, Wendy. Okay, are we even training educators to to look for this, to find this? How how are we doing on that? Twice exceptional. I'm so glad. Or even exceptional. One time, once exceptional. But how how are we doing well, with that? Because we have that. I... I mean, I was a history teacher, okay, and back when I was in college, the special ed didn't even exist. It was never never mentioned, okay. And guidance counseling was barely mentioned, okay. They taught me how to history, all right. And I know education schools have changed. I know that, okay. But have they changed enough to understand what's going on with with the special ed population? And in this case, twice exceptional.
1: First of all, I am really thrilled that you asked this question because professional learning and teacher preparation is really the foundation that prepares our field. It prepares us to do this work. Unfortunately, uh, you may be surprised to learn that across the country, not all teachers are prepared to work with gifted learners let alone oh, I'm not surprised.
0: Yes, I'm not surprised at
1: all. <laughs> yeah. Students yeah. who have both gifts and who have um, other challenges. So, it, um, one of the things that I that I would say to you is that unless you are in a very very unusual program, I'm not going to rule out the fact that they exist. But I would say that I'm not aware of any programs that prepare teachers to work with students who are gifted and twice exceptional during their initial licensure period, meaning that teachers enter the classroom and for the very first time after they've become teachers, and we know right now there's a critical shortage, so we're trying really hard to increase the pipeline into schools so we have teachers that are entering the classroom who know very little about gifted learners if at all and the whole concept of understanding that a student can have um, unusual advanced abilities in addition to be struggling in some ways is, is, is foreign to them. So no. Teachers are entering the classroom, and in most cases, they have a lot to learn about these students. It's one of the reasons why most gifted education programs are um, or licensure or any sort of uh, professional learning occurs after that initial licensure period. So in other yeah. words, it's, it's, um, it's in graduate school. And of course many teachers don't enter graduate school right away. We wish they would, but they don't. And so you can imagine yes. that um that they are exactly. unprepared to um, to manage these these strengths. Now and of course the special needs. Add to that something that Claire talked about a moment ago, this ability to spot these kids And how difficult it is, even for experienced teachers, um, it's it's quite a conundrum. When we think about gifted learners, oftentimes the student's gifts will mask their special education needs. And vice versa, a student who has strong special education needs may appear to be just that and not have a clue, and we may not have a clue, as to what their actual potential is and their abilities. So it's really important when we think about this that we increase that understanding, and that's where programs like the one Claire is associated with and others are really beginning to make a difference.
0: They have to, ma- they have to make a difference, and I have to ask you something because you've both been doing this. Okay, I want to get a definition of twice exceptional because uh, you, you both mentioned that we're talking about special, special education, okay? But we're, I think we're talking about gifted plus something else. When we say twice exceptional, and I'll stick with you, Wendy, uh we say twice exceptional, is it always gifted plus something else?
1: Yes, that's what the term is. Um, right now and when we think about it or when I think about it, I think about it as um, the marriage of two branches of education. Um, Oh yeah. One being um, gifted education uh, which focuses on identifying advanced abilities um, and providing enrichment and opportunities for talent development and special education which has a focus on identifying um, not just the deficits that a student might have, but also remediating. In other words, how to make certain that those special education needs are not only um, addressed, but that they're not interfering, in my personal opinion, mm. with um, their special education, excuse me, with their gifted education needs. Yeah. So in my, in my world... I'm thinking about two very different sets of needs that need to be addressed without excluding the other.
0: Exactly, which brings. So we're having trouble finding special education teachers. We're we're having trouble, Claire. Finding gifted education teachers, there's not that many of those, okay? And how, how are we doing? You're, you're at the program at Cleveland, Fed. how are we doing with finding educators who are interested in this and doing this? This is really cool, because everybody thinks they, wanted to, they want to teach gifted kids, which requires a special pedagogy, okay? It's really important. Okay. Add to that the special needs. Okay, that's a special educator and you've got a really interesting combination of educator there. Okay. How are we doing with that program? How many you know, how many kids are involved in it? Just a Cleveland Center, what you do, you know, that sort of stuff. It's really interesting well, when it's defined like we, that. We yeah.
2: just we just the program kicks off in January, so it's um Oh well, congrats. I, I, I hope it works great. So, but yes. but it is an online program, so it's accessible to everybody. What I find really interesting is that we, we haven't done sure. much with teacher preparation, but there are a number of schools that are addressing uh twice exceptional children, so we've got desperate parents we've got teachers who understand yeah. we've got um there there really is um a a significant impact on at school level so there's public schools like um the, the the most well known one is Montgomery County, Maryland, has had uh gifted learning disabled programs since the eighties. But well, there but but some around D C are are starting some programs. There's one in San Antonio, um just identification and service. So there they the schools are recognizing that there are some. Then there are a number of private schools that are are starting Programs either by parents who were desperate or psychologists who saw the need. Right. um. So, so it's a bit of a groundswell from from Good. parents and educators who are asking for for something to be done with these kids. I think one of the 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 barriers that are in the way there's a, there's a couple of barriers. So special education is mandated, um, gifted education is not because there's always and I'm right. and I'll just sort of address the address the elephant in the room as it were. So. Folks tend to think of gifted education as, oh, you know, why should we give to those who already have? Um, right. we've, we've got such deficits, why we have to do this? And the the argument that I always make is that the only, when, when you have twice exceptional, or even just, just gifted sure. kids, you don't learn advanced material unless you're taught advanced material. You have to be exposed to advanced material in order to learn it. Um, if, if we in schools say oh you know we're we're not going to help those kids only the kids who come from families who can supplement who can support who can enrich who can do those things will get their talents developed will get their abilities recognized and and promoted so it's it's one of the most inequitable things is to not have the gifted program because you're really just agree. letting those those families right those families who can support their kids who can take their kids to museums you know Um, they're the ones who are going to get their their talents developed. And so I always make the argument that one of the most inequitable things is to take away gifted programming because you're basically essentially saying, "Uh, these kids from these populations, they don't need their – you know, we don't don't need that. Right. So so there's that first mindset to get past. And then the second mindset is, wait, how do these coexist? So just convincing people – but as a, a good friend of mine, who's very well known in in uh, special education, said I didn't really believe in twice exceptional until I had a kid. And, <laughs> and I think it's always that experience, that first yeah. time you go, "Oh, this kid is is doing math two grade levels ahead, and yet can't read the math problems."
0: Uh, well. That that's that, that's saying something right there. Yeah. You know, what what percent? I'll, I'll stay with me for a minute, Claire. What percentage of, of kids? I guess in, I don't know how to say this. I'll ask you. What percentage of kids are we talking about? And I don't know where that measure is. It just it's special ed. What what what's, what's percentage of sure. kids we're talking about? Yeah.
2: Well, it's a Tell me there.
0: Just put it into whatever perspective. It, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah.
2: Theoretically, if you want to be real conservative, and I, I always love answering this one because cause it's it's a <laughs> theoretical. Answer. Because if you want to be real conservative, ten percent of kids have special needs. You know, you're talking about kids who who are challenge or are experience challenging learning in some way. And about ten percent, it's actually about fifteen percent, but let's call it ten percent. Okay. And
1: we'll then call it
2: about 10. that's a lot. And then about ten percent of kids um, have real potential strengths. So ten percent of ten percent is one percent. So if that you look correct. at the special needs population, right. So if you look at the special ed population, about 10% of them should also have, be gifted and talented. If you look at the gifted population, about 10% of them should also have disabilities. And again, these are conservative numbers. So it's about one in 100, which is not a small number. It's bigger no, than it is kids not. who have hearing impairments, it's bigger than kids who have visual impairments, it's bigger than m- many populations in, in special education. So it's not a small number. We're not identifying them. So when we, that's why I said it's theoretical. Um, the best state so far has been Colorado, has about, well, congrats to Colorado. Congrats to Colorado. Um, yeah. They've got about 9% of their gifted population identified as having disabilities, so they've almost gotten their... Wow. Um, you know, other states, well, uh, every other state is far behind that. So it, it, it comes very low to very, to almost there, but not quite. Um, I think Virginia is fairly high. Maryland is, is decently okay. You know, but, but again, we're missing millions of kids, millions of them. We
0: are. And how did Colorado do that? how did they do such a good job? Would they change?
2: They have they had an advocate at the State Department and they which is why I'm so excited that Wendy's here. Um, I, was just gonna, they, I was just gonna I was just gonna
0: go rah rah Wendy. Now that, you know whose door to knock down today. Yeah, go ahead. Anyway. They
2: did a community yeah. of practice where they that took everybody to the table and the, and I remember talking to their, their coordinator and she said there is no gifted ed, special ed, there just is ed and we mm. all have specialties yeah. that we talk about it. There is no And they really broke down the silos so i know at their state department they had done an amazing job of really promoting the programs of of doing something so there's a number of programs and i think um, cherry creek and aurora and around the denver area for twice exceptional as well so um, again the state the schools the schools themselves are often the promoter of we've got to do something for these kids one in a hundred very conservative number and that is not a small number
0: and I want to ask you this, okay, and I can, I'll, I'll throw this one to Wendy just to uh, give you a little break. Okay, Claire, thank <laughs> you for that. We, Wendy, Wendy, okay, we, we, want, we, we want every school to be like Colorado, but there's, there's got to be a challenge between, and, and this is, uh, the, the, you know, you've got great uh, high-priced uh, suburban schools, okay, rural schools, et cetera, and then you've got urban schools. All right, you know, education is is very diverse in and of itself, as we all all know. How are we doing in that breakdown? Where are the best programs? Are the best programs available to the under resourced schools? I mean, I went to school in Philadelphia for K twelve, okay, and in Philadelphia they're having trouble. You know, they are. They they try every day. They're terrific educators, but they fight the resources that are available to them. You know what's going on in terms of? Um, the, the I guess the demographics of good twice exceptional education.
1: You asked And if you don't again, know that, and if really you don't know that's your
0: next book. <laughs> if you don't know that's your next book, it's a good one.
1: Okay. <laughs> know, yeah. Go ahead, Larry. Yeah. There are a number of um, factors that make it difficult to determine how um, how we're doing in this area. One of the factors. Um, has to do with the collection of data. Not all of our schools, yeah. not all of our states require reporting of gifted learners. Not all of yeah. our states provide funding for gifted learners. Not all of our states mm-hmm. um, recognize the existence of twice exceptionality. Gifted education and... Well, they in, don't recognize these. they
0: they, (laughs) they just
1: don't have yeah it's
0: really interesting
1: Um, education in the United States has often been called a patchwork of services and Uh, the whole concept of local control I work work with
0: NAGC a lot on this stuff so I know a mm -hmm. little bit about it you know and you guys certainly know NAGC okay and uh, yeah and yeah, it's amazing. Out there. I just have to say this because everybody's always, school districts are always most proud of the kids who do the best. Oh, we got twelve kids into Harvard last year. Okay, so here we here we got the gifted kids. Okay, and and, and we can't get a program together for them. Okay, it's the it's, you know, the, it's, it's the goofiest rationale in the world. I just don't get it. I I, know, that's yeah.
1: Go ahead. Well, I would absolutely agree with you. Crazy. And I would I would make this this point that every child deserves to learn something new every day. You're yeah, here. Yeah. Not all of our um, not all of our states are prioritizing students equally. Now that's kind of a, a strange statement in itself. Um, I won't use the no. word prioritizing. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the correct word would be, not all of our states are treating all students in the same way. And the reason uh, well, I say this is that yeah. so many yeah. Right. So many of our gifted kids are literally languishing. Um while a tremendous amount of um energy and resources are being dedicated toward students who are not performing at grade level. I don't think it's a question of either or, it's a question of yes That's and good point. And so when we talk about gifted education first, uh, we, we need to figure out who these kids are. The identification of students for services remains an enigma for many people. And then when we add to that, that further masking effect that we see with twice exceptional learners, it really does become complex. And among the things that make it complex, are the introduction of other factors such as culture, such as poverty, such as exposure. Um, Our English language learners may be difficult to identify as well when, in fact, one of the things Mm. that we know is that um, English language learners are learning at very quick rates. And oftentimes they're actually easier in my opinion to identify as um as gifted than some other students because their their um hmm. acquisition of language is so so quick and so thorough but going back to you know how do you find these kids um that has a tremendous amount to do with how does a state like Colorado You know reach this this amazing level of um, identification and what I will say to you is that Colorado like a number of other states in the country is more prescriptive in gifted education than some other states meaning that they have strong requirements in a number of areas Adding to this situation, you mentioned earlier, our kids who are living in rural areas being provided with the same level of service, it depends. It depends on the state. Now, in Minnesota, um, I would like to think that our students are receiving um, a high level of service. And notice I said the word service. I didn't say program And that's a distinction that we're making in our state, and I'm beginning to see it in more and more states. Because if you're a really small school district, it's really hard to have a a well-developed set of programs that serve a minority, um, a really small number of students. If your K-12 population is 600, how many gifted kids do you have? it's an interesting thing if you have you know if we if we take that same 10% that Claire talked about even that is a small number when we think about providing services we talk about addressing the students needs which is the beauty i think and the the lesson that we can learn from special education it's not about programs special education is finding the student's specific need and accommodating those needs. In my mind, we need to take a lesson from our colleagues in special education and say, ah, how can we focus on individualizing education in the same the equity way? So issue that, again? Yeah. Right. And so what we That's find what is, is that when when we focus on services, we have a much better opportunity for a student to become the best version of themselves. Now, you know, I know,
0: Wendy, i got to ask. You've just brought up something that, that strikes me. Like, I, I, uh, so I want to ask Claire this, because she's, she's involved in this program. Okay, so pardon me for just interrupting your thought, but I've got to ask Claire this. There aren't, there's kids everywhere, and like Wendy was just saying, Claire, in small districts that really can't afford, they can't even find the teacher if they wanted to. Okay? But we have technology now that allows a, mm-hmm. uh, a teacher who's an expert in twice exceptional kids, and let's say they're where I live in Maine, okay? And there's kids in the, some little town in Minnesota, okay? But we have the technology to connect them, okay? Has anybody put together, and maybe CEC has, I don't know, or somebody, a program that connects school districts to, to, the, to these teachers, so that these teachers can work with the kid and actually work with that kid's teachers, okay, to make this happen. Because now we can, we can all connect, okay? So, you know, it's not like uh, 1950, okay, where you were just in your class and we can connect everybody. What's the, what, I'm, I'm just, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Wendy, but of course I just did, so forgive me for that. But the thought just <laughs> crossed my mind, okay? Where, where, Claire, where, you're, you're, you're putting together a program. How do we make something like this happen?
2: Well, I'm, I'm, you know, we're literally on the cutting edge of of so many. And by the way, so you can
0: steal the idea if you want. It's your idea. Go ahead. It's Claire's oh, no, idea. No, no, no. Everybody. Yeah. No problem. Yeah.
2: You know, no, it's not even just an idea, but it's it's we're on the cutting edge of so much technology and 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 things happening. So I'm on a committee on in higher ed right now on AI, oh. the use of AI. Yes. Um, and there's a there's a quote from Hugh.
1: Air, who is head
2: of the Bionics Lab at MIT, and I use it all the time in presentations, and it says there's really no such thing as disability. There's just mm. poor design for technology or environment, meaning if you can mm. if you can design an environment or design technology in such a way that the, the book reads itself to you, if you have a reading disability and you can't make sense of the visual information, then you don't have a disability anymore because you can get the information. You know? That's right. So it's... I'm I'm fascinated at what I see the possibilities for AI. I'm fascinated, but we're not there yet. You know, we're still we we're We've still got schools who are rural and we've still got schools I I'm excited because my program for example is an online program, so we we've got teachers from all over the country who are signing right. up for it. Um, right. So there's that, right. you know, there's that piece right there that that's just plain online education and so that's that's exciting. But in terms of actually what happens with kids, I think there's some amazing possibilities that are just, just on the horizon of what we can do. One of the things that we're, we're being, that's benefiting sort of twice exceptional education is the focus on special education has sort of reached a point where they're, they're asking, so if we're providing all these supports and accommodations, for what purpose? Um, it 's not just to get to grade level it 's to help a kid learn. so if we focus on these accommodations, these modifications these these things that we do in special ed are to remove barriers of learning, well then why don 't we focus on the learning of the kid and so gifted yeah. education yeah. focuses on that learning of like oh that 's exciting let 's learn something new you know um, and so there's a there 's a very nice complementary relationship there in special ed they can call it strength-based education where the idea is that we're, we're removing barriers so that kids strengths can, we can see kids strengths they can promote their strengths um and that is environment that that's a mindset again coming back to the lens piece it comes back to why do we why are we removing barriers and why are we helping kids with special needs because we want that to help them learn and if you've got a twice-exceptional kid, then they should learn where they are.
0: Wow. Are you there?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, uh, I thought I lost you for a second. I, um, I agree with you. I mean, we've really got to get this together. By the way, what's the name of your program at Cleveland State? What's what's it it's called?
2: It's uh, the twice exceptional teacher education program. Two E E T There you go. I'm just giving you a, a plug here. You can figure free, it out. A free plug. I love it. Um, yeah. yeah. But it's, uh,
1: it's
2: the twice exceptional teacher education. You never know.
1: Education. Yeah. And we bring special
2: ed, and gifted ed strategies, and we, we talk about they'll they'll come out with both understanding of gifted ed and understanding of special ed because they really do complement each other. As when they said they're a marriage to two fields.
0: They, they, I do. And, it, it, you know, and to me, again, it's got to be part and parcel of general teacher education to some extent. Okay? It's just mm-hmm. part and parcel of what's going on. Everything's, everything changes out there. I'm going to ask you a, a, last, a last question here before we go. Uh, Wendy, uh, you know, you work with CEC. The CEC, how, how do they... I'm hoping people join up with CEC. Certainly, administrators, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, so they can start working and learning on all this. And well, if, should they join CEC? Is that a good place for them to go for all this, Wendy? Do well,
1: <laughs> oh yes, of course it is. You know the of council course for it is. exceptional children. I knew children. the answer to the question. I just figured I'd <clears> ask it. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> let me let yeah. me tell you why. We're talking about an organization with over 20,000 members worldwide. While organizations, particularly um, education organizations and others, are losing members, CEC is growing. And one of the reasons it's growing is that it has a wide number of divisions that allow for a focus in specific areas. Now, Claire and I are both um, involved in one of the divisions called the Association for the Gifted. And that, I think, is how we came to be associated with you as well, Larry. The Association for the Gifted, or also known as TAG, is one of those organizations or one of the divisions within CEC that's working to increase understanding of um, what not only gifted education is, but also the importance of understanding twice exceptionality one of the things that cec is doing very very um in the very near future is that they are having a professional learning uh, fair i can't remember oh. whether it is um september 27th or 28th but if you go to the cec website you can find information on that
2: thank you but you can thank also you.
1: find a variety of information um professional learning courses you can take on your own at your own pace that are online you can sign up for quite a few webinars as well another thing that um, i would mention is that there are divisions within cec like tag the association for the gifted that Mm -hmm. have annual conferences in addition to CEC's conference. Now CEC has a big national conference Ooh. with thousands of people later on. Um, actually, it's early 2024, and I believe that we are going this year to San Antonio. There you um, go. But I would also tell you something super exciting, and that is that the Association for the Gifted is teaming up with Cleveland State University, to have a but, um, conference in October. And um, I'm going to turn this well, over to Claire, if you don't mind, yeah, so Claire, she can we got about two minutes mention left. a little go bit ahead. about that.
2: Yeah, Claire, I
0: didn't Claire, know that. I pitch. would have said it at the beginning. Please, go ahead.
2: Oh, we're very excited. October 13th and 14th, uh, we're having a conference for teachers, families, administrators, professors, who's ever interested, graduate students, to um, – To come share strategies because it is—it's not as much as a teaching place because there's—we're we're we're still in the process of learning. We're learning about these kids. We're learning about strategies. We're learning about what helps, and so it's an opportunity to come together to share. And it's virtual, so it's it's hybrid actually. So you can either come to. In October, which is spectacular. Or you can come, <laughs> up, come online. I know. Or or you can uh, participate I online. Love it, yeah. we a for online. We have online. And we have some folks coming from the Netherlands and coming from Denmark. And wow. So, yeah. So it's uh, very exciting in terms of an opportunity Can, you, to send, can you
0: send me a link and I'll put it up here? Can mm, you send me a link to Absolutely. Today? Ooh. Ooh. So there so you know, go. It's idea. Larry at ace dash ed dot org. Larry at a dot org. Just send me the link, I'll put it up in the show description. Okay?
1: So I I guess, you know, going back to your original question was Yeah, we why only got a minute or so CDC. left, so go ahead,
0: please. Yeah. And
1: yeah. I would just I would just tell you, for me, it's all about the professional learning. And I I think that's and the incredibly networking. important.
0: And the networking. the networking. I think that's really important.
1: And of course, if you if you belong to TAG, we have a, an outstanding journal that we publish as well. Each of the divisions and the state organizations within CEC provide an infrastructure for getting that information out. And as you know, that's the beginning of real understanding.
0: It is. It is, we, and by the way, just before we, leave, I'll just say this. You know, we always talk about this, and I know most of our uh, listeners are uh, our teachers, and, and it's, this is also important for school uh, board members to understand. Okay, they, that's that where the money is. is. Yeah, and although you know we, they have their own association, quite obviously, but they need to be, they need to understand what's going on in the body of education, ladies. I'm oh, sorry, we're running out of time. I got to go. You're going to send me that link, right, Claire?
2: I will. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh, you're really welcome. Do. Thank
0: you both. This was fun. Was- I appreciate uh, your, your expertise and your good natures. And uh, good luck with everything you're doing. It's going to be great. Thank you, Wendy.
1: Thank you. Okay.
0: okay. Be good, you two. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Lovely ladies, that's Claire Hughes, a professor of all these wonderful things, gifted and special and twice exceptional at Cleveland State. She's going to send me a link, which I will put up here as soon as she sends it. And Wendy Behrens from the Department of Education in uh, Minnesota, and she's an expert on twice exceptional kids. Well, the world's changing. We, guys, we can't uh, shuffle these things off to the side anymore. We really can't, and that's why I keep doing these shows. All right? It's an equity question. We're going to... Archive the show, speaking of equity, at our home website for American Consortium for Equity and Education over at ace-ed.org. And by the way, if you ever want to invite me, uh, write me, uh, just come on on and write me at larry at ace-ed.org. Thanks for listening.